Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you once again for this privilege. And we ask now that as we go through the remainder of our service, that you would open your word to us. Teach us, Father. May we stand in awe of you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you all be seated? I want to thank Cody and Megan. You guys are leaving the country when? What? Next Saturday? Okay. You need to pray for them. They're going to be going to China now and ministering there uh, in the school. So just keep them in your prayers. Have you ever noticed that things always tend to break right when the warranty wears out? Yeah, the warranty is over, it expires, and whether you've got a car or a TV or something, it, it seems like it, it waits until the warranty's over. I was looking at the TV the other night, and um, there was a commercial that came on for the Kia car company. And I've never seen this before, and I don't know if it's a joke or false advertising or whether it's some publicity stunt. They are advertising a car that has a one million mile warranty on it. A one million mile warranty. Now, I've never heard of such a thing, but I'm anxious to see just how, how um, uh, restricted that warranty is and what it covers and what it doesn't cover. You know, we, we've learned from this over the years that nothing lasts forever. That's, that's just, we know that as human beings, that no matter what it is, it does not last forever, except when you come to the Scriptures. And when you come to the Scriptures, you find out that God according to the Bible, is eternal. That means that he's going to last forever. No beginning and no end. Now, this theme runs throughout the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we are taught that God is eternal. This one fact is the foundation for every doctrine that we have. Now, think about this, okay? If God is not eternal, then everything that we've learned about him is irrelevant. Everything that he has promised us doesn't matter. Because if God's not going to be here till well, I wanted to say the end, but in eternity there isn't an end. But if he's not going to be here to fulfill the promises that he's made, if things cease to exist at some point, then it doesn't matter that we have eternal life. It doesn't matter that he loves us uh, because all of that would come to an end at some point. So the very uh, fabric of Christianity depends on the fact that God is eternal. Now, when you think about this, this whole concept of eternity is impossible for us to really grasp. Now, I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about eternity, that whole idea, that teaching in Scripture. that something can last forever. It's like us trying to explain color to a blind man. Think about this. A man that has, been, has never seen color, he was born blind, how do you explain to him what red looks like? How do you explain to him what blue looks like? We can't explain it because he's never seen it. He has no point of reference. So for us to try to understand eternity and that God is eternal, that just it's like it gives you a headache trying to think about it, trying to understand it. And I understand that because this is a great mystery in Scripture and it really needs to remain a mystery because once you figure all these things out, then somehow God does, he ceases to be God. And so I believe that there are things in Scripture that we never fully understand. But when you begin to really look at it, and when you begin to really think about it, and you begin to at least have there's a crack in the wall, that curtain that hides it from us, we begin to see just a little glimpse of it. Whether it be this subject matter of eternity or something else pertaining to God, something happens, and you you kind of stand in awe. 
Because you finally have seen a little bit of what the Scripture is trying to get you to understand. And you stand in awe and you fall to your knees and you just begin to worship. Because that's really about the only thing left that you can do. You don't fully understand it, but you've got a glimpse of it. And today what I want to do is this. I want to to try to help you to gain a glimpse of what eternity is like. And again, we're not talking about being in heaven. That's not the subject of the sermon. I'm talking about eternity as opposed to something that comes to an end. I want to give you or help you to gain a little bit better understanding. And my goal, my desire, what I hope to achieve here is very simple. That you leave here thinking, wow. You know, that you just leave here thinking, what an awesome God. And that we leave here worshiping because we've realized something about God that maybe we've always known factually but never have come to comprehend it in some way. And today what I'd like to do is humanly, as humanly as possible, to try to help you to understand what eternity really is and what it's all about. Now I want to look at three things, three facts, we'll call them, three truths concerning the concept of eternity, that something lasts forever, and in reference to, to God and us as well. But begin, we're going to begin by looking at eternity as it relates to God. Here's the first thing that I want you to see. And that is that an eternal God is not limited by time. An eternal God is not limited by time. And this is important. And it's important because we need to understand this concept. Now, last week, I shared with you another of God's... um, characteristics, um, things that are true about God. We talked about omniscience, that God is infinite in his knowledge. Now, what that means is simply this. The, infinite, the word infinite, mean, infinite means that it is without limits. There's no barrier. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. So God, when it comes to the subject of knowing everything, there are no limits to what God knows. None. Absolutely no restrictions. He is limitless in what he knows. You could take the same thing and apply this concept of of being infinite to the fact that God is always present everywhere. It's called omnipresence theologically, but basically it means this, that God is infinite as it pertains to space. He can be here and there at the same time. He's not limited. There are no boundaries on space. It doesn't matter. Now, the subject of eternity has to do with this. We're talking about how that God is infinite. There are no barriers. There are no boundaries pertaining to time. And again, let me just reinforce the fact that this is very important that you understand this. See, we struggle as human beings. We struggle trying to understand who God is. And we, we say we know him, and by faith we do. But we are so limited in what we know about him and who he is. It, and that's just part of being human. Because one of the biggest things that we struggle with is this idea that somehow God is not constrained by time and space like we are. You see, we're, we're constrained by time. For example... We all have wristwatches. We all have clocks. We have alarms. We have calendars. We have day timers. We celebrate the seasons of the year. All of the seasons of the year represent some time in that year. The climates change. We um, celebrate birthdays. 
marks the passing of another year in our life. Everything about our life is governed by time. We mark it off, we count it off, and it passes year by year, and we get older and older, and we know what happens there. Because as time goes on, things wear out, including us. So we're very aware of that fact. But what we can't grasp and what we can't seem to understand is this truth, as it's taught in the Bible, that God is not limited by that. That time doesn't affect him. Time doesn't matter to him. Now think about some things here, okay? Just put your thinking caps on, and I'll, you're going to have a headache, so just go got, take an aspirin when you're done here. But for right now, I want you to try to track with me on this, all right? Because we're getting into that area of thinking that is kind of ethereal, it's kind of out there, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I've never thought of it that way. Because remember, we're trying to get a grasp on who God is and what he's like. First thing that I want you to see or understand with this idea of God is not limited by time is that he existed before time ever began. I think there's a song about that, isn't there, somewhere? Um, But we never stop to think about what that means. Now let me read you a couple of verses in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, when time began, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the galaxies, that's all of the heavenlies. It was all created, and God created it in the beginning. Now listen to this one. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And what is he saying? He's saying, I put the lights into the heavenlies in order to mark the seasons, the times, the time changes. In other words, I created time. Now, guys, you got to don't miss this, okay? Because we keep trying to force onto our concept of God the things that are true about us in this creation. God says, I am not limited the way you are by time. I am eternal. But you, on the other hand, are. Everything about your life is governed by time. I created that. I was there before it ever took place. When did time begin, we ask ourselves? When did it begin? Well, it began with the creation. When God created the the heavens and the earth and put the the lights in the sky to govern the times and the seasons, it began then. It never existed before that. Never. Now, I've thought through how can I illustrate this and how can I bring it to where at least humanly we can kind of get a little bit of a grasp on what this means and what it looks like. Think with me about this illustration, okay? Let's pretend, for example, we go up here to Interstate 20. And Interstate 20 has a beginning and an end, but let's assume for a moment that it doesn't. It just goes on. And one day that we're going to say this, is, but this represents eternity, Interstate 20, the ocean of eternity. And one day God goes out into Interstate 20, and on the white line of Interstate 20, he takes a magic marker and he draws a one-inch line. That one-inch line represents creation. From the day in which it took place in Genesis to the day in which it ends in the book of Revelation, it is the created world. All time. 
God says that one day he'll bring it to an end. But right now, that exists. One inch line in all of the ocean of eternity. And God was there at the beginning. God created it. God did it. And God controls it. Now, listen as we get into this, okay? God created it. It began with him. And he controls it. Let me show you a verse. It's in the book of Joshua. It's in Joshua chapter 10, verse 13, which pertains to a time in the history of Israel when they were fighting in the land. They had gone into the land under Moses and Joshua, or Joshua, I should say. And they're fighting, and look at what happens. They're fighting a battle. Time is running out. The day is drawing, drawing to a close. Joshua prays to God to give them more time, and here's what happens. It says, so the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. What? What is it saying? God stopped time. God said to the sun, just stay there. And to the moon, don't come up. Not yet. Give them more time. And so Israel fought their enemies and won the battle. And then God said, now you can start again. God is standing out there in eternity outside of this created world looking at it. And God said, stop. Because he controls it. He created it. He was there when it began. He controlled it. Now listen to this. God exists in the past, the present, and the future, all at the same moment of time. Now this will really make your head hurt, okay? God exists in the past, God exists in the present, and God exists in the future all at the same time. And see, we can't conceive of this. I mean, we talk about time travel and, the, you know, scientists talk about that, all of these crazy ideas. But think about this, because if God is standing in eternity outside of the created world, and that doesn't mean that he's not part of the world. It just, I'm trying to get you to see this. He's in eternity, an eternal God looking down at us from start to finish. And it doesn't matter at what point you put your finger on that little one inch line. God says, yeah, I'm there too. And this is the part that, that really blows us because we're limited to, to, to things that they're either things in the past and they can't go back and be revisited. They're things in the present or they're things in the future or they're yet to come. We can't go back and forth. Now watch this. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus is teaching. And he makes this statement, and this has always been puzzling to me, this statement. He made it to um, Moses, and he makes it now again here with Jesus. Jesus says this, very truly, I tell you. Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now don't miss, because we scratch our heads sometimes and just pass over this, but don't, miss, don't, don't lose what it's saying here. Because I want you to understand the tenses of the verbs, okay? He says, before Abraham was born in the past, I am present. It doesn't matter if it's the past, I was there. It doesn't matter if it's the future, I'm there. It doesn't matter I'm, I'm, or the past, present, I'm there. It doesn't matter if it's the past or the future, I'm there too. 
I am in the past, I am in the present, and I am in the future. doesn't matter. Over and over, God in the Old Testament will tell Moses and the Israelites, well, who are you? Well, I am. What does that mean? That's it, I am. It doesn't matter where you are, I'm there. It doesn't matter when it took place, I'm there. Listen to this verse. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, don't gloss over this, okay? He's talking about, Paul is talking about your salvation. He says, and God has raised you up, past tense, with Christ. When Christ rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, you did too. How? I wasn't even born. And I've told you before, you're, you're trying to think in terms of time. Don't think in terms of time. It doesn't relate to him. God raised you up 2,000 years ago with Christ. In, in the, in, with God, it was just as real then as it is now. All God was waiting for was time to catch up with what he already had done and is doing. And not only that, he says, but he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's future. God saved us in Christ and resurrected us even though we weren't born. And he says, I've already gone ahead of you and I am right now seating you there. You're there. How can that be? This is just double talk. God's saying, no, it's not. Because if you think in terms of being constrained by time limitations, then, yeah, you won't understand it. But you need to understand that I'm eternal. And whether it's past, present, or future, I'm, is, I'm there. I am. Then all of a sudden, the crack begins to show up in our lack of understanding. And we begin to see, wait a minute. This is phenomenal. You see, it's like it's almost as if God is saying to you, I stand here in eternity looking at the black line on the pavement. And it's kind of like looking at a parade from a tall building. At one moment you're there at the at the beginning, the middle, and the end, you're there. You see it. It's all there. And God is saying to you and me that with me there there's no sequence of time. Things don't happen in sequence. It doesn't matter. This is eternity with me. He says later is the same thing as earlier. It doesn't matter. The end is the same as the beginning. Now is the same as then. Because I'm an eternal God. And time is irrelevant to me. I created it. It's just the thing that I created like everything else. Okay, so what difference does that make to me? Wow, everything. You and I pray and beg God for things. God says the answer has already happened. The solution was already dispatched before you ever prayed. Because I live in eternity. People worry about whether they're secure in Christ and what can happen to them or what might happen to them as believers. I've heard people wonder, wonder for years you know, about eternally secure in Christ. And God says, of course you're secure. Because you see, when I saved you back then, 2,000 years ago, before you were ever born, I knew all the things you were going to do. 
because I was there already. And when I saved you, I forgave you completely from the time you're born to the time you die. This thing you called life, it's all covered. Because with me, there is no time. I live in eternity. And I did it all. Why are you worried, he says. Jesus kept saying to the disciples, why do you worry so much? Man, don't you know that your Father is eternal? The things that you're worried about, God's already solved. One way or another, He's already solved because God lives in eternity. But now we come to the second point, the second truth that I want you to see. And this is where it gets good. Now listen very carefully. Because not only is God an eternal God and not limited by time. Listen to this. God created you with eternity in mind. God created you with eternity in mind. Not creation in mind. You see, we think sometimes God created us for this world, and He didn't. God created you to live eternally. What happens here on the one-inch line If our lives and all of creation is just temporary and God is like he's preparing us for heaven. But he created us with eternity in mind that we would live there off the line. Listen to this passage. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's in verses 11 through 14. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil. This is a gift of God. But then he goes on, he says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away. God does it so that people will fear him. The idea of fearing God in the Old Testament is is basically saying so that you reverence him, that you stand in awe of him, that you worship him because you see what he has done. And listen to what Solomon, who's writing this, is saying. He said, God created you and put you on the line of creation out in the middle of eternity, but he had eternity in mind when he did it. And he has instilled within each and every human being the reality that eternity exists. And every human being, whether they're born again or not, whether they're lost or saved, has within themselves the reality, the understanding that there's something after this life. Everybody does. The Bible tells them. It said only the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. You have to prove that. You have to talk yourself out of it. Because everybody has an innate knowledge that there's more to life than this. This is why so many people get off into reincarnation and spiritualism and uh, all of the, the occult and all the things that we do. Because we think, we understand, we feel that there's more to this life 
or outside of this life, I should say, than what we've experienced. And that, that's because God has put it in your heart, because God created you for that. He created you for that. If you were not created for eternity, then why did God give you an eternal spirit? Why are you that? Why are you created as an eternal spirit living in a body? if not for the purpose of living eternally. And guys, let me tell you something. Someday, someday you and I will step off of that little one-inch line. We'll step into eternity. And when we die and pass from this life, whatever was confined by time ceases to exist for us anymore. And we enter into this realm called eternity where God lives where there is no time. There are no constraints. That brings me to the third thing that I want to share with you very quickly. And we'll bring this to an end. Here's the third one, okay? And that is this, that the future that you choose for yourself will last forever. The the future that you choose for yourself will last forever. Now, this is important. Everybody steps off of the line at some point and dies. Everybody was created with eternity in mind, whether believer or unbeliever. Everybody lives forever. Everybody will be in eternity. For the believer. Oh, oh goodness. You could go on and on. What God has promised, what God has told us, and we know it's true because God is eternal. It's not going to come to an end. It's not going to change. The warranty doesn't expire. That God has promised all of these things to those that have put their faith in Him. Eternity in heaven, eternity with God, eternity where there's no sense of time, no sense of beginning, no sense of end. I, I can't explain it. I can just hope to get a glimpse of it here while I'm on this earth to somehow comprehend a little bit of it. But there's another reality, too, and that is that those that don't know Christ as their Savior also live in eternity. Hell is eternal. Separation from God is eternal. And nothing could be more horrible than that. I thought to myself, how do you, how can I convey how long eternity is, whether you're with the Lord or without the Lord, how long is eternity? It's kind of hard to explain something that's not limited by time to try to put it in a realm of time to explain it. Let me give it to you this way. And here's the illustration. And just think about this, okay? Let's pretend that there is a rock that is 100 miles high, 100 miles wide, 100 miles deep. It's just a big old rock. Every thousand years, a bird comes to this rock to sharpen its beak. One bird every thousand years. And on that rock, it just pecks away and sharpens its beak and runs its beak sideways and just to get its beak nice and clean and sharp. And every time that it does, a few particles of the rock fall to the ground because of what the bird has done. By the time that rock is completely gone from what the bird does every thousand years, one day in eternity will have passed. And even then, it is not true because we're trying to limit eternity. 
But in the realm that at least we can understand, this helps us to grasp what we're talking about. And God says to you and me that the future that you choose now for yourself is going to last forever. We have chosen as believers the future to be with the Lord. We've made that choice by faith. We have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We've accepted Him as our Savior, the one who died on the cross, took my sins upon Himself. My sins are paid for even before I was born. And at some point in my life, I came to faith and God saved me. And there's nothing because God already knows what the end holds anyway because He's eternal. He's already there. He sees it. And God has already said... You're secure in me. But yet, we as believers, so many times, we put so much emphasis and so much importance on that little line of creation because that's where we live and that's all we understand and we lose sight of eternity. And at least my understanding of Scripture as I read the Scripture is that God and the, and, and the apostles or through the, the, the Spirit of God are always telling us over and over and over again to live your life with eternity in mind, not what's temporal, not what's created, because that's not going to last. And so I see Christians, and, and I do the same thing. We put all of our emphasis and importance and all of our effort and all of our time and all of our money into this world because we think in the back of our minds that somehow we're preparing for the future. In reality, we're not. Because God says we're eternal. We're eternal. And for those of us that have never put our faith in Christ, those of us that are still playing games, someday you're going to pass from this life. You're going to leave that little one-inch line. You're going to fall off into the ocean of eternity, and you'll be separated from God forever. I don't know. Maybe I think sometimes some of us, we don't believe that, that God would do that. But yes, he will. And so the point that I'm making is that the future that you choose for yourself is going to last forever. And God has given us a wonderful, tremendous gift. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of what God wants, and He knows that. And He says to you, I love you anyway, and I want you to be with me in eternity, so I'm going to send my son, which He did some 2,000 years ago. He'll die on a cross in all of your sin, I get this, all of your sin, which you haven't even committed yet, but all of it from birth to death, I will lay the guilt of it all on him and he'll make the payment for it. And someday when you're born, in some point in your life, if you put your faith in me, that payment becomes yours. That Savior becomes yours. And forgiveness is yours. For how long? Forever. Forever. You want to talk about security? That's security. You want to talk about a reason to jump up and down and shout and dance, you know, in our worship? That's a reason. Because God's eternal, and so are His promises. And what God has promised will never come to an end. But the choice is up to us. And each and every one of us have to make that choice at some point in our lives. To the Christian, how are you going to live the rest of your life? Are you going to live it with the understanding that the ocean of eternity is the most important thing? Put your time in that. Are you going to live it thinking that this life is the most important thing and waste it on the things of this life? Don't do that. 
And if you're not sure about your salvation, if you don't understand that Jesus died for you, if you haven't put your faith in him yet, then please come and talk to me. Because you are going to pass from this life. And you will spend an eternity separated from him. Don't do that. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, there's no way, no way that we can ever comprehend it. Solomon said it, it can't be comprehended. But Father, maybe in the time we've had here, these few moments this morning, maybe there's a little crack of light shining through that we grasp that somehow explains to us who you are and what that means to us. That because you are eternal, we are too. And when all of this is past and we have slipped into the ocean of eternity with you, Father, it'll be a day of rejoicing. When we lay it all down and it's all behind us, all the pain, all the suffering, all of the sin is behind us. Father, we rejoice in that. We love you, we worship you, we praise you. And now, Father, as we leave this place this morning, I pray that we go out into a world that doesn't know that and that we would live eternity out there so that they can see who we really are, but more importantly, that they can see who you are. Thank you, Father, for loving us that much. In Jesus' name. Amen.